0: going to do a fun bit. We we're going to do a fun bit about killing time where we talk about the scene where the killer guy confronts that dude and he freaks out. That would have been really fun, Dan. That would have been really. It would have
1: been, but we're not doing that. Okay. We could
0: have done a really fun bit about ribbon where we make up a funny name about whatever's in the room like a chair, a computer man. Haha, that would have been fun. We're not doing that. Why? Because okay? we're more mature. We have matured. No. No, that's not what's going on. I've oh. had a religious experience. Oh, that has changed my life forever, and it will now inevitably affect you. <laughs> okay, because we do a podcast. <laughs> I have seen the light. I am like Moses in the burning bush. I have seen <laughs> the message, and now I must take the message and I must give it to the people. Go Dan, on, yes.
1: How do you feel about pineapples? I have a pin. I have pineapple. Oh. Pin pineapple apple. Pin. <laughs> What's that from? you never seen that? No. Oh, no, dude, no. I have another religious pineapple experience for you, Then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Indie Film Review. Dude, you can't. You haven't fucking seen that. Okay. Uh, you will share your pineapple, and I will share my pineapple.
0: We're going to get all the pineapples out. All the pineapples are going to be on the table. Hi, this Welcome all to uh,
1: Indie Pineapple Review. Oh,
0: God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, choosing us as your number one independent pineapple podcast. Um, on this show, we like to talk about independent films, uh, both short and small, and we will do that. I swear to you, we're going to cover Killing Time, a short film sent to us by Scott Lake, and we're also going to cover Ribbon, a long film sent to us by Cade Thomas. We both appreciate you. Thank you so much for submitting. Now let's get back to pineapples. Dan. I was watching ribbon yes on YouTube you can find ribbon on YouTube if you search ribbon independent film you can find it I recommend it actually and I apologize to Cade for interrupting because like I have to dedicate some time to talk about this (laughs) (laughs) they're probably like what the hell I tuned in to like hear my review of the movie and I'm gonna hear this shit so 10 minutes in an ad plays. And I'm like, oh, okay, an ad. So I, I go on my phone to try to look up something about Ribbon. I was like, oh, I want to look up, like, who the, who are the actors, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm waiting for the five-second countdown to go, you know? And then as it's going, some weird, like, goth music starts playing. And I'm like, oh,
1: this is kind of yes, cool. Because you posted this on Instagram, and I kind of saw some of it. It sounds a little bit like... um. Like, Depeche Mode-y a little bit? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a Depeche Mode type of thing, and I'm like, what is this? And I look up, and I see a man with this weird, uh, he's got this, like, black curly hair that's parted down the middle. He looks like one of the Three Stooges. Mm. And he has this (laughs) big furry vest on and (laughs) these tight black (laughs) pants, and he's got the craziest face I've ever seen. He's just, like, hamming it up and he keeps walking down these stairs over and over again and that's the music video i'm like what is this and i just start watching i'm mesmerized i can't my brain can't comprehend what i'm seeing and he just he keeps walking down the stairs and walking down the stairs and i'm just like am i in a fever dream is this (laughs) happening is this real and I'm, i'm thinking like this is an advertisement it's six minutes long They're not selling anything. I was not sold anything, Dan. It was just this weird music video. It was an
1: advertisement for a short film, and they just used the short film as the advertisement.
0: Yeah, and I love it. And then, like, a weird pineapple with a face shows up, and he's getting chased by it, and then he catches the pineapple, and he's, like, baby-shaking it, and at the end, he murders the pineapple, and he, like, stares into the camera. It's what the fuck? The most surreal, <laughs> weird thing. And it was shot so well. Everything about it was just so well executed. I want to know who that actor is. I want to know who made it. I want to know the song, the band. I want to know everything about it. No one on the internet knows. I'm the only person who's ever seen this music video. I will probably take it to my grave. I, I will am be jealous. On my I want to see this. I want to find it. I want to watch it. Because everyone else that probably saw it is like, oh, who cares? Because. For the first, like, ten seconds, there's nothing. It's just a picture of stairs. And by then, the five-second countdown is gone. So you would just skip it and me. Like, I don't know what this is. So you just skip it. But because I looked down at my phone, Dan, mm-hmm. I got to see gold. <laughs> <laughs> see, distractions are a good thing. <laughs> it was amazing! And uh, I was just so annoyed. I'm like, I'm never going to know. They're not going to tell me what this is. And they didn't. So I tried to take video I tried to take pictures to document it for historical purposes. And um I I had trouble sleeping last night. Dude, it's I... like a
1: fucking UFO you got abducted by a fucking pineapple video. <laughs> they fucking probed you with pineapples.
0: I've never experienced drive by art where it was like here's the art by... that is
1: pretty awesome. I like that. Yeah. <coughs> drive by <laughs> art. Insane. I had it's a so really good. funny video uh YouTube YouTube advertisement thing happen to me today in school cuz sometimes I'll use YouTube videos to to teach kids. Yeah. And <laughs> today Uh-oh. it was really loud too cuz I have it hooked in cuz I teach a film class at high school and like we watch things and I have big booming stereo systems. Anyway, we were on YouTube and um <laughs> It said, and this is kind of date the podcast a little bit because it was today, and it said, "Did you know that April twenty third is Vagina Day?" Really loud in the middle of
0: class. <laughs> Did everyone laugh? Yes, because that's amazing. Why would it that was? Be
1: it was super embarrassing. It was ridiculous. So I love you know, it. I love it. But I, I really wish I had the pineapple experience. I'll never forget
0: it. I'll never forget it. And I will continue asking strangers on the street if they know about the pineapple music video. I'll never stop. I'll never give up. My quest. Okay, now that that's out of the way, we can do the normal show now. Okay?
1: okay. You promise? <laughs> okay, no, so yes. we watch two films, like Jared said. We're going to cover the first one that is called Killing Time. Killing Time essentially is... Um, I forgot, do I spoil them during short films? Um let's not spoil it, then spoil it. Yeah, here we go. Not yeah. spoil let's it. Let's be
0: good about it first. Not second.
1: spoil it. This man is accosted in his house by a burglar. A burglar Ooh. breaks in, eats his food, and does heinous things to his family.
0: Oh, no. So, spoopy. Okay, Dan, Killing Time, what'd you you think? What are your your overall impressions of Killing Time?
1: (sighs) Great concept that I have seen done before. I've wanted to do it before. Um, There's a film called Time Crimes, spoiler alert, that's very similar to that. Mm, Okay. But I'm a bit confused. I'm a bit confused because the quality of the film... Doesn't necessarily catch up to the premise of the film, if that makes sense. Mm, okay. So you have all this really interesting stuff, like why is the burglar eating the food? Why is the burglar... Um... Oh, guys, trigger warning. I'm going to say this right now. We're we're spoiling it. I'm sorry. Zero to fucking 150 in two seconds because they yeah. immediately kill a child. A young child. He just snaps her fucking neck and it's like, Whoa. What? So the brutality of this is there. And that's where I can definitely see the influence of because it was written by um, George C. Romero, who is, I believe, George Romero's son. Yeah. So he's part of this. So I can feel the horror drawings of it trying to be a, um, you know, a more contemporary horror flick with, like, the shock value, essentially. But I I don't know. I feel like I would have liked it more as a... um, longer film like experimenting with that uh, uh premise a little bit more because it's about time travel basically yes so george and scott both wrote this i thought
0: the premise was really good i was interested in it and i think the so there was a lot of the camera work was they were doing random movements or like that shaky cam kind of a thing it wasn't too much to where it was annoying so i was fine with that there were a lot of interesting shots where like there's a shot where the camera's on like on the floor looking at the killer's feet Before he's going to enter a room and then the camera tilts up to like him opening with the door handle Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I liked a lot of the shots in it. I thought it was intriguing that he was eating food out of the fridge and he puts on like a wedding ring. You're like, okay, what's going on here? It gave me a lot of like BTK vibes because that's what BTK would do. The killer. He would go into people's houses and like tie them up or like put plates on their back and be like, hey, if you move, I'm going to hear those plates moving. And then he would go and take his time. And uh, eat their food eat and the like debase of them. them. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know.
0: Well, he was just like dominating them completely. Yeah, no, no, I know. So I thought that's what the killer was doing. Um, and spoiler alert, sorry. I mean, this is a short film, so we're probably going to talk about everything. Uh, it turns out that the killer is the the husband that he's there to kill because he's from the future and he's been trying to stop. He's trying to figure out a way to save his family from being infected by the virus. And he's like, there's no way I can. He's like, I've done this a hundred times. Every time I try to figure out how to stop this apocalypse, I can't do it. So the only way to save my family and myself from dealing with how awful this is, I'm going to be a family annihilator and kill them all. And that's interesting. I kind of wish, I kind of wish that the present dad was able to stop future dad, Mm -hmm. because The idea is so sad that he's like, I'd rather not live another moment with my kids being alive. Like, I'd rather just go back in time and kill them and myself. That's dark.
1: (laughs) It is extremely
0: dark. And then, yes, he does kill kids in this. And that's not fun
1: to watch. Like, I wasn't enjoying that at all. I know, me either. It was was a brutal horror movie. But you know what would have made it really interesting? And I think, adding to the idea that I think it would be better as a, a longer film, like have a, a a a psychological cat and mouse game between the two dads where like as as the dad is saying why are you in my house the other dad who's done the murdering reveals slowly but surely that he has killed the whole family yeah and like you know play up your your anticipation a little bit more your suspense mm-hmm. And, I mean, maybe you wouldn't see the dad murder everybody at the beginning. Don't show that. Don't ever show that.
0: Have it all implied. Like, the main character is going to figure that out by seeing that they're not alive. Like, we don't even need to see the long, drawn-out scene of him, like, putting a pillow over his daughter. Like, I I don't know. I just don't need to see stuff like that. But we can still get that information conveyed to the audience. Because, like, it's like the first... Half of the movie is him one by one murdering the family, and I'm just like, can we just get to what the plot is? <laughs> what are we doing? It it really rubbed me the wrong way, uh, but when we got to the second half of it, I was interested in that. Yeah. My other issue is unfortunately the acting by the dad was rough. It really took me out of it. I don't know if it was his accent or what the deal
1: was, but
0: uh, it was tough for me. How did you feel about that?
1: I mean, like a lot of films um that we cover on this show. Uh I give acting a lot of passes because you sure. know, there's there's it's very rare that we come into contact with this indie actor that will blow us out of the water. You know what I mean? That's true. Even though it was like Not the best acting. I just, I let that stuff wash over me now. Acting does not necessarily bother me that much, but it's a treat for me whenever I actually get to see a good actor. Because a lot of the times there's terrible acting in mainstream movies, too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. For sure. Overall, I
0: was a bit disappointed. I feel like when you invoke George Romero Mm -hmm. in your short, you're really setting the bar pretty high and i guess and i know I it's was... not his
1: i know it's not george romero but still he has the name
0: that was a major selling point that was sent to me though so yes. i don't know maybe no, I, I'm being I, too I do hard agree on it. with
1: that maybe i do agree with that
0: like i said a lot of the technical stuff i thought was good the content of it and where the story was going and how it was handled i was just kind of like ah wasn't really into it so, ah, uh, don't hate us anyways. Hey! <laughs> hey! Um... Ribbon, let's talk about Ribbon. You know, Ribbon, we were just talking about acting. I think Ribbon had really good acting in it.
1: Well, no, no, no. Okay, so Ribbon, it was, it was definitely amateur hour in terms of acting, but they, they fluctuated as they went. And mm-hmm. I got to be more endeared with these characters because the chemistry between them all.
2: So there there
1: were certain moments where I'm like, you could have done that in a better take. But the chemistry among all the actors was Mm -hmm. incredible. Because it was was a story about a brother and sister. So you need to have chemistry there. Then a later character gets introduced and he's like, is this guy going to be a douchebag? But then you kind of start liking the fact that he is a douchebag. He's a fun douchebag. Anyway, Ribbon is about a guy who works at a company. We'll just call it a company. It's just company. Company, sales company. He works at company and he works in sales for company. And um, (laughs) his sister, his estranged, kind of estranged sister, calls him and he's like, hey, I need a place to stay because I ran away from home because mom and dad are assholes. And he invites her to his home. And he has hangups about her because she, you know, she's very fly by the Carefree. seat of her pants. Carefree, yeah. yes. And she, <laughs> he tells her that she needs to get a job. And she's welcome to stay as long as she gets a job. So she goes to the mall one day and enters a ribbon dancing contest because she has been challenged with the fact that she needs to find a job that she likes doing. And she considers this contest a job because she gets money for it and she's going to like doing it. And along the way, she meets a homeless woman who (laughs) says that she is a ribbon dancer and antics may
0: or may not be a ribbon. Yes. (laughs) Antics
1: ensue. So we're going to talk about those very antics today on yeah. the indie film Pineapple. Damn it, don't make the, I was going to make a pineapple <laughs> joke.
0: Oh man, I was going to say, there's not enough pineapples in it, this is why I don't like it. No one has <laughs> tight black pants on, not enough fur jackets, you know, like all the major things you'd
1: cover. You, I feel show. like you've neglected, it. Cade, Cade. We will get to your film, okay? <laughs> but I feel like, I, I, I don't remember. Did you neglect to say to everybody that the pineapple has a hand-drawn face on it? I, maybe
0: the pineapple has a face. It it's like a important. monster
1: face. It's fucking crazy. It has crazy. a monster
0: <laughs> face, yes. But I don't necessarily think that the pineapple is a monster, okay, Dan? There's deeper meaning behind what the pineapple represents and what the main character does to the pineapple. And we're about to get into that right here on the, indie the next pineapple review six hours. <laughs> no, we, we're going to do questions now on ribbon because there's a lot of things I want to cover on ribbon. Jerry. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. So shut the fuck up. Okay. I love you though, but shut up. Uh, Dan, how did you
1: feel about the music in ribbon? I liked it. Um, it's, it's really, it, you could tell it was made like with a cheap MIDI controller, but like it was well composed. And, um, I really liked the cheesy song at the end that they danced with the ribbons. To. Yes. <laughs> it was, it was a definitely a feel good thing, but, um, no, the music, it, like, you know, you work with what you have and I, I like music that kind of sounds eight bitty and midi. That just, I like that aesthetic. So I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Jared, how did you feel about the, um, shifting from black and white and shifting aspect ratio? I loved it. So I was trying to figure out, was this
0: movie filmed with a phone? And I was actually going to go back and read the email that uh, Cade sent us. But I loved how throughout the film, to accentuate like the mood and and how the scene was going, there were black bars on the left and right of the screen. Not on the top and bottom, left and right. And they would smush the screen and then open the screen like a curtain and it does that at pivotal moments Mm -hmm. even during the climax when they're about to do the ribbon show the the sides open up like a curtain i was like oh my god this is wonderful and then like
1: the black and white fading Mm -hmm. there's even parts where it's black and white but you only see the red of the ribbon yeah at first, I thought this shifting black and white denoted a shift from nighttime to daytime or daytime to nighttime, like black and white is nighttime. But the minute that I saw the Red Ribbon, I'm like, oh, no, he's just doing this for artistic effect. This is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I also, I don't know, like I, I appreciate four three aspect ratio. I was a little concerned whenever it kind of smushed to be an iPhone because I don't like iPhone shot things, that especially whenever they're shot like, well, I, I like widescreen shot iPhone stuff, but I don't like the black bars that you're talking about. But I think what you said is pretty interesting in terms of um, diverting people's attentions, like manipulating the audience. Essentially, that's what he's doing. Yeah, what you're focused
0: on, because whenever it's super close up like that, Everything feels way more personal. You are so hyper-focused on that character. Everything becomes a close-up. And I actually was not bothered by it at all, and I loved it. I thought it was really a fun idea of him playing with the aspect ratio. As you're watching it, like, it it organically changes. And sometimes I didn't even notice that it was changing. I really want him to tell us what did denote when things would go black and white and when they they wouldn't. I wonder if there's actually, like... Turning points in the film, like what emotion he was trying to get you to feel, right? Because those felt a bit more random to me, but I felt like the aspect ratio changes felt uh, uh, more purposeful. But I don't know, uh, Dan. Do you have a question for me?
1: Um, Jared, this is more of an existential question. Okay, pineapple. What would you do <laughs> if somebody that you have invited into your home? Mm-hmm invites a homeless person into your home. Not even homeless. We'll 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 broaden it a little bit. Just somebody who has not been invited into your home gets invited by somebody that does not own your home. What would you do? Um they would both leave. <laughs> mm. Yes. <laughs> they would both leave immediately. This triggered me really hard. <laughs> like because it's happened to me and I'm I'm it upset me a lot. Oh my god, really? I'm not gonna go into the full story, but I have had I've we have invited somebody over our house and they the person that stayed left our house and we woke up the next morning with them in our house. What? Yeah, it's fucked up. Like it's it's nonsense. So the minute that I the guy came home and he saw a homeless person in his house, I'm like, ooh, ooh, I I I know exactly what you're feeling, and I don't want you to be there anymore. But I will say I think Pearl is one of my favorite characters. Oh, absolutely.
0: I like Pearl and I like Connor, the douchebaggy boss guy. I loved all of the characters. And The only thing I'll say is I don't like how Pearl's story ends. And that's just a personal choice. It's nothing really to do with the film. It's just I was sad that the way Pearl's ending was. I thought it could have been a happier ending, I guess. Mm. (laughs) I don't know. But then this film does like a fake out ending where it's like, hey, it's the ending. And it's like, oh, no, this is the ending. And that that one kind of takes it full circle. And I liked it. But also, if the movie ended the way I wanted it to, that second ending probably would not have happened. Jared? Yeah. How do you feel about the comedy in this film? It was good. I think it was funny. I was laughing most of the time during a lot of these shows. The film's
1: strongest suit, I think, is the writing because the writing is hilarious. Like, there, there's so many great. And, and like, that's, that's the other thing, too, because, you know, with the actors being able to pull off these jokes and make me laugh like that was really good for being amateur actors yeah and having that much chemistry like you could these people are friends there's no way they're not friends like
0: there there was a scene where um they're in the car both of the brother and sister in the car with the homeless lady and she's gonna take them to her um her dance studio to do the ribbon stuff and the brother's like i don't believe her she doesn't have a dance studio she's homeless doesn't make any sense and she's trying to convince the sister, like, we shouldn't be doing this. This lady might try to kill you. And, and she's like, hey, Pearl, are you going to kill me? And she's like, no, of course not. She's like, I don't even have a knife. <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much. And I'm like, that's the one thing you would
1: need to kill someone. <laughs> like, My favorite one, they, they get into a fight, the brother and the sister. Like, tensions are rising throughout the start of the movie. And he gets pissed off at her and he tells her off. <laughs> And mm-hmm. then she's like, S- I'm going to win the $1,000, and I'm going to go stay at the Radisson by the airport. And I'm like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> and it, she wants to stay there because that's the one she likes, <laughs> not because it's more convenient. With $100, dollars she's just going to piss away the $100 yes. at the Radisson.
1: <laughs> that's the best way to do it, man.
0: <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, so we're going to spoil this movie. If you want to see Ribbon... I re- highly recommend it. It's on YouTube. Just go type Ribbon Independent Film onto YouTube. It'll be the first thing I, I'm pretty sure that you find. Or search K. Thomas Ribbon. You'll find it. It was a super fun, cute movie. I say this a lot on, for different movies. But like These are the films I'm so glad we get to see. Because mm-hmm. I would never have found this movie any other way than doing this show. Because it's such a fun, low-budget movie that they put so much heart and soul into. and. Everyone's taking it very seriously and very professionally for for how low budget and like they're just like we're gonna make this motherfucking movie and I think they did it. They did such a good mm-hmm. job because like sometimes you'll see a short film where where it's like hey we're gonna make it bad on purpose because it's already bad blah 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 and they're trying to like cover up for the low budgetiness. This movie's like no professional one hundred percent. We're gonna make the vision that Kate has and I think they hit it out of the park.
1: I think they did too. Very impressed. One of my favorite parts about the comedy and the writing in Mm -hmm. this film is the tool of the callback. Uh, I think they do it twice. I'm not sure where callbacks are. Uh, Pineapple. Anyways, go ahead. (laughs) They do it twice, and they they, they don't overdo it. The first one is they end up in prison. Or not prison, but they end up in jail overnight because... um, Oh, Why is it they end up in jail? Oh, because they broke into the, the the dance studio. So they break into the dance studio that, and Pearl just fucking leaves. the The alarm goes off, and Pearl's like, "I'm out of here later." And they get stuck, and they go to they go to jail. So they get out of jail the next day. They have their talk, and then Pearl meets up with um, Maggie, and Maggie's like, "Man, jail wasn't that bad." And then Pearl's like, "I mean," no, and Maggie's like, "It just it was very cold." And Pearl's like, "Do they give you any blankets?" And she's like, nah. It's like, oh, okay. I thought that's weird. And then (laughs) later on in the film, (laughs) Connor, the douchebag boss asks about, he's like, so how was jail? He's like, oh, it was pretty cold. He's like, they don't give you any blankets. I'm like, yes, that was a brilliant joke. It was, it's just like, it was a silly callback. And then the second one happens at the very end. And you've already said that Michael's talking about, well, we shouldn't go into this building because Pearl might kill us. Um, we don't know anything about the homeless person because, you know, she's a homeless person and she just, she might just be trying to lure us in there. And then at the very end, that same scenario happens, but this time Maggie's warning her brother about the corporate hedge fund dude because they're about to go into his mansion.
0: Yes. And she's like, I don't trust this. And it was like, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, I have boners for cycl- cyclical uh, storytelling. I love that kind of stuff where things kind of like intertwine. But I, so this movie is about trusting people and taking a chance and opening yourself up. Because if you don't do that, then you're just going to close yourself off and never take any chances. And you're, you're going to be trapped in your bubble in your house, you know? So it's like, I like that message. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the idea of that. Sometimes you'll open yourself up and you will get burned. And other times you won't. I'm super into that. It just makes me sad that by the end of the film they basically made it seem like both of them opening up to their respective other person, whether it's Maggie opening up to Pearl and trusting her for the ribbon competition, or if it's Michael opening up to Connor, who he, at first he thought was kind of a jerk face. He's like, Hey, you know what? Actually, he's kind of like a good friend and he's been a good friend to me. And they've been working together, you know, with on the business, the film was making it seem like both of them will betray the characters. And it Mm -hmm. was such a negative tone to the film that kind of made me sad. I was like, no, I like both these characters. Why can't it both work out? Or maybe 50-50. Have Pearl be the actual real jerk that she is. And then have Connor be the good guy or whatever. Or, or like have them both be good because I like Pearl so much. There was a moment where Pearl and Maggie were sleeping outside under a bridge. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how she became homeless. And I'm like, did this just sneakily under the radar become a, a film about homelessness? And and the way we treat homeless Dude, people.
1: the whole film.
0: That's a real soft spot to me. I was going to bring that up. And then I feel like it kind of got undercut by her just being a jerk at the end. I don't know. How did you feel about that?
1: I feel like the figure of homelessness is definitely at work in the film. And I think it's kind of a symptom, if anything. Um, I think that the film is talking about the symptoms from the past. Like, I mean, I'm way, 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 way far looking into this. But I have, I think I have some... this is what we do.
0: So let's do it.
1: (laughs) Well, no, this is like even fucking out there for me. Anyway, you have like a decaying country. Mm -hmm. Why do I know it's a decaying country? It's because malls are cool hashtag malls are cool guys no so the the ribbon the ribbon dancing competition that is being taking place in this town is being <laughs> performed on a stage that used to be a jc so you go to the mall the mall is so old and abandoned that you know they're using all the stores for like community art projects essentially So malls are a thing that happened in the 1980s. Well, 1970s, 1980s, like they just blew up out of nowhere. Like we're going to put malls everywhere. It's going to be great for the economy. It's going to stimulate our um, suburbs and to a greater extent, uh, um, big metropolitan areas. But what happened was those malls that are built in the suburbs, like, you know, Tampa is a big metropolitan area, but it's made up of multiple cities, right? Mm-hmm. But let's let's say in Tampa, total in the surrounding areas, there's a total of five malls. All of those malls are going out of business. They're they're losing shit, and like it's just it's a weird decay from the 1980s that we are still feeling. And I think homelessness starts around that time too. The trajectory we take into more homelessness and our country not doing enough to help them—that all comes from the same time period under a certain president that i'm not going to do <laughs> um, that everybody it's loves for some that reason
0: the film because you're right i didn't even think about that how the film focuses on like good luck finding a job at the mall like that was kind of a joke and like the decay of the mall and the brutality of uh homeless people and how they need help and how you know like the like the economy like affects them and and not having mental health facilities like th- i mean the mental health thing isn't brought up but it's like this weird underlying really interesting stuff going on In a lighthearted comedy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's like,
1: that's strange. Exactly. But again, like, am I reading too much into it? I don't know. Honestly. It is interesting to think about. I almost wish they would have dove deeper into it. I mean, they got plenty of time. Like, this film is only an hour long. Yeah, it wasn't very long. But again, they really wanted to keep it
0: light. It was interesting because the characters felt so realistic, even though the premise was silly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes people teeter too much where they make the characters like so zany and silly and ha ha ha. And I think that's a real credit to the writing. The writing is really solid. I want to do honorable mentions to, I really liked the lady who was running the ribbon contest. Yes, she was, fun. I know she only had a couple scenes, but she was really great. I liked her a lot. And again, um, Connor, I thought was just amazing.
1: Like that guy was so good as a douchebag. Yes. And then the last joke that really made me laugh, it was the scene directly before the final scene of the movie where um, Michael, the brother, he's like, well, I, I guess what we can learn from this is to trust the head front manager and not trust the homeless person. Which is like the not good. <laughs> and he's like,
0: oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's exactly. probably not right. <laughs> yeah, it's this movie's great. Uh, another funny scene I liked is when... Maggie and Pearl were supposed to be practicing for the ribbon dancing Oh yeah, and like, they... We only have one day left to practice. <laughs> what should we do? And she's like, we really got to start doing this. And then Pearl's like, Have you seen the new Bradley Cooper movie? She's like, No. Let's go do it. <laughs> go watch a movie. And they come out of the film. They're like, Wow, it was so good. Blah blah blah. She says, Okay, now we really gotta. No, but
1: man, it was three hours long.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no. And then it's just like, oh, hey, mini putt putt, because that's like this is basically my life. Yeah, exactly. They're describing my life. I go see a movie. I go do mini putt putt. (laughs) (laughs) This is what white people do, Dan. And uh, it made me laugh a lot. I thought it was really funny. (laughs) No, I agree. I will say, uh, so okay, to be critical about the film, if I if I had to nitpick, in the beginning. The location shots, a lot of it was taking place in one spot in the house, which is, I mean, it's an indie film, but the film really does open up to a lot of really great location shots and interesting shots Mm -hmm. as the film goes on. I was very impressed by that, and it was really nice. I was like, man, I really hope this movie does not take place in, like, just this apartment, you know? And they destroyed my expectations. It was really great. One thing I'll say is there were a few times where characters were talking and... You were looking at like one shot, you know, like a medium close or whatever. And then the film would cut instead of cutting to a different angle. They cut to the exact same shot mm-hmm. and the exact same like medium close angle. And that was a little like, nah, I wish that
1: didn't happen. It well, kinda took I me mean, out of it. what like it I didn't happen often. I can't speak to it because I don't remember it happening. But essentially, all that is is just a, a jump cut. I mean, instead of moving the camera less than 30 degrees, they just, even though the camera doesn't move, it's still technically a jump cut. Yes. Like it was an abrupt jump cut that it
0: can be used as like an aesthetic on purpose thing, but I don't think it was in
1: this game. You think like, it might've just... been a separation of takes that. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. And I, if you want to hide that, you got to change camera angles. You got to do something. It took me out of the film It it didn't happen that often. I think maybe it only happened twice. Other than that is there anything else you would you would want to like be in like a nitpicky asshole about in the film? Um constructive criticism, Dan. The music, I know we already talked about it. It's so fucking good. It's 100% original too. I, you talked about it already, but man, good music. Anyways, <laughs> go
1: ahead. I mean, the only thing I can think of is if we the audience were clued in as to why the ratio and the black and white shifts so much. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you explained the, the aspect ratio and I get that. I like your explanation for it, but the black and white, like we've discussed, we don't necessarily understand why it's happening. Yes. Which is, it it just got confusing, but I mean, maybe, maybe I just missed something.
0: Maybe it would have been better if every black and white shot was highlighting a specific color that, we were meant to draw our eyes towards and see
1: because
0: I think that the highlighting of the ribbon only happens in like one scene. Yeah, exactly. So my biggest criticism of the film would be, and I'm sorry, I got to say this is that there wasn't enough scenes where, there was a strange man in leather pants slowly walking down some stairs. And then once he got down to the bottom of the stairs, he sees a pineapple. And not just a normal pineapple, a pineapple with a face, okay? And the, and the pineapple is following him, and he follows him, and then eventually he gets a hold of the pineapple. The pineapple's got a hold of him. He kills it in a passion of a just an obsession. And then we fade to black. That would have been a really great scene in the film and I'm
1: just just it's so disappointing
0: yeah it's unfortunate that the movie Cade it's unfortunate that you didn't do that scene and I just don't think you're brave enough to have a scene like that
1: in your film so I'm calling you out Cade if you know the person (laughs) who made the pineapple thing because it was an advertisement on your movie um could you point them out to us um (laughs) that would be really good um if you could Jared will will definitely thank you for the rest of his life.
0: Yeah, I will I will send you a pineapple with a face on it once a month.
1: Once a month. Until you until you tell us to stop with a restraining order. Until that restraining order goes through. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. That's been the show. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Um thank you uh, everyone who's who's been sending in your films. I really appreciate that. Guys, if you want to support the show, and we will get to plugs, Dan. I haven't forgotten. Tell other people, rate us five stars on, on Apple Podcast or whatever. Give us a rating. That'll really help. And also, just like I said, tell people about the show. Word of mouth is the best thing. Call to action. I believe in you. Um, and if you do tell other people, message us. Let us know. Like, hey, I told my grandma. Hey, I told the pineapple man. <laughs> <laughs> he knows now. He knows that he has a fan. That's exciting to me. Uh again, thank you so much, Dan. Uh you may plug away.
1: Please find us on Twitter at IndiefilmPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndiefilmReviewPod, and you can email us at the indiefilmreview at gmail.com. Hell yeah, dude.
0: Uh Necropodicon Network, that's the network we are associated with. If you would like to go to the Necropodicon.com there is a link to the Discord. You can come and uh, hang out with us, us and all the other really awesome podcasts that we are associated with. They're my pottern family. Um, they support my pineapple endeavors, and I appreciate that. Huh. Well, looks like uh, looks like it's time to get down that old dusty trail, my friend. And I think, as always, we'll end with Dan and his beautiful final word. Beep beep beep.
2: Are you searching for a DD podcast that tells a twisted and macabre tale, set in a world under siege by cosmic horrors? One that will make you fear for what lurks in the darkness and question your own grasp on reality? To bear witness to a party's struggle against their inner demons as they walk the thin line between hero and villain, while their sanity frays and falls apart at the seams, keeping good humor and a joke on their lips as all they know and love crumbles away. The chanting of cults, the corruption of mortals, the nightmares of the cosmos and the whispering of dark gods all awaits you in gunpowder treason no plots a fifth edition D&D podcast be sure to listen on any of your favorite podcast providers part of the necropoticon network hard to pronounce easy to listen